Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, celebrating our one-year-old birthday. We feel like the parents that are planning right up until the last second. I am cutting audio to celebrate all day long. Wes, as the intro was playing, was cutting up all the donuts that he got for us, rolling right in on time. He just gave us napkins. You can tell who the dad is of the group, folks, because Wes is giving out napkins. He's cutting up donuts into nice you already know it. bite-sized pieces. He's going to Fitty first because we all know Fitty's going to want that donut before I do. Loves himself some of the sweets in the morning, and I'm here to celebrate as well. We appreciate the listeners for sharing their middays with us for one year officially. Happy birthday, man. No doubt about it, man. It's been fantastic. We definitely want to thank all the listeners, the texters, everybody that supports us, everybody that walks up to us in stores or wherever we're out at, man. This is a monumental occasion. And so, yes, we have donuts from Pepper Box Donuts and Coffee. And we're about to try these things, and they look phenomenal. They do look phenomenal. And I ask you, you know, we're rolling in right on time. You said, man, I'm not going to go just to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm going to go to Pepper Box. Yeah, man. I just looked up local donuts. I said, where can I find some good local stuff? I like to support local. And so, yeah, man, I found this spot. It was right by the J.O. Had to do a little bit of a drive, jump on 77 for like two seconds, and then we got it. Do you feel like a zoo animal with these kids no, out here looking like at us right now? I feel the party. I feel hey. like a zoo animal. What's up, guys? I want to go up and like throw right? something at the uh, screen All right, so like a gorilla. People, we have people behind the glass. Stuart Kramer High School, is that correct? Yeah, we're getting the big old thumbs okay. up. Okay. They've joined the happy birthday party. You know it wasn't going to just yeah. be us three no people doubt. showed up to ours. We're not the lame that nobody shows up to. Listen, guys, enjoy party. it now. Enjoy your high school and college years because being an adult is bills and responsibilities. So don't grow up too fast, kids. There's your uh, lesson for the day. Yeah, that's right. And if you want to take care of your bills, then maybe don't work yeah. in radio. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. Working radio. Yeah. I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah. Walker too. Listen to Wes and Walker because I know y'all got phones and earbuds. <laughs> They're leaving. Put that WFNZ app on. Tired of it. They are done. As soon as we asked them for listenership, they said, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> We're not here at the party anymore. We appreciate everybody for hopping on with us. We still got a lot to get to, but we're going to be celebrating all day. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have the Stevie Wonder happy birthday song in your head by the end of the show. I apologize. I apologize for nothing. We are going to play it constantly. Outros, intros, in-betweenos. We're going to have all sorts of sound bites that celebrate some of the best moments. And so we got to get the text line going. 704-570-9610. Text us your favorite moments in Wesson Walker one-year history. We've done this before. It could be an underrated moment. It can be some of the moments that you're going to hear on these rejoins. I'm sure of it, but you can text us 704-570-9610. Joe Gibbs Jr. writes in, straight fire. Congratulations, fellas. 12 o'clock is straight fire on WFNZ. We appreciate that. 
Brian said, I can't believe it's already been a year. I know, man. Monsters of the Midway. I like that quite a bit, despite coming off of the Chicago Ooh, I like loss. That. I do. Uh, war cry for the birthday or not? Yeah, we can do a war cry maybe at the end. Yeah. We got to get rolling here in just a second. Smooth right it writes in. Happy one year, fellas. Keep doing what y'all do. Awesome show. We appreciate Smooth from Charlotte and uh, NASCAR Brad. It wouldn't be a show until he told us happy whatever day it was. Guys, Fiddy, how are you doing? We haven't heard much reflection from you over there. Did you have... A nice little message for everybody. Did you write us a heartfelt, sweet message and a birthday card or something? Sure. Go scratch yourself. Would expect nothing different. Let's pull up to the scene, open up the doors. The angry, ornery bus driver. Let's open up the doors and get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. We got a lot of controversy within the Carolina Panthers organization to discuss. We'll talk about it again in the next segment. But here's Frank Reich addressing the media yesterday on who is going to be calling plays in their next game against Al. Uh, no, have not totally, you know, dialed that in. You know, pretty much what, as I've said, we've been collaborative in much of what we do. I'm still evaluating the whole thing, you know, and how it actually is going to function or not. We reacted pretty poorly to this yesterday, Wes. When we were at the Spectrum Center, it was the season of giving. We were out at a charity event, Cornucopia, 13th annual event, and we were yelling. And it took Sunshine Sam Farber to help us you know, step away from the ledge because of the dysfunction that is visible within the Panthers organization now. How are we feeling about a day later? Uh, yeah, still pretty angry. More data <laughs> to back it up. For those of you who didn't understand, because, of course, we got the stupid text. Uh, claiming for me to be a racist, everything is about race, even though Come on, I do a show with a white co-host. So, yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. That tells you about the intelligence of some of those texters. Did you but, say, uh, did you, yeah, did you, so wait, did you just drop the I'm not racist, I have a white friend card on Yeah, them? definitely okay. did. I like yeah, that. You for got sure. two white friends. Exactly. My homies. Now you know for sure. Yeah, tell them, yeah. slid my dog something for his birthday. <laughs> you That's know? true. That's true. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't think you got to give those any credence, to be honest with you. I think pretty It, it clearly, don't matter. I, I still got to get you, man. I, no, you oh, know, yeah. I'm like that. You know yeah. I'm built like well, that. Well, look, and I think your point is that here we are celebrating our birthday. And yes. Here we are. We had to start it with a little fire. We do have to start it with some fire. <laughs> but look, I don't think you're wrong in that African-American coaches find themselves in this situation more often than not at a greater frequency percentage compared to some of the other coaches out there that are not black. And yeah. so when Thomas Brown is put in there in an interim basis as a play caller for the last three weeks before now, Frank Reich wants to take that job. It has happened to Steve Wilkes, the yeah. whole unless he does an amazing job thing, he might get it. Well, he did a pretty good job turning this organization, and mm-hmm. we also saw it with Perry Fuel yeah. in those four games where Ron Rivera was fired. Either way, we can have that conversation because it's prevalent, mm-hmm. and also the fact that it doesn't do anybody fa- any favors. Yeah. Bryce Young is being hurt by this decision. You are talking about David Tepper meddling way too much, and now you can't help but go back and think, Frank Reich never wanted to give up play-calling mm-hmm. duties. But it always felt like then, and certainly it feels like now, that 
it was ownership that decided to be the one that said, hey, go ahead and hand him over to Thomas Brown. Now that Frank Reich is feeling the pressure with all the Diana Rossini reports, with all of the pontification on if Frank Reich is going to keep this job long term, he's decided, you know what, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out as the play caller myself. And let me be clear here for those who did not quite understand. Do I think that Frank Reich or the Panthers are being racist in this scenario? No, I do not. But to further give you guys uh, – put you into my thought process the NFL's player pool is historically between 60 to 70 percent black but has never had more than five black offensive coordinators in a single season over the past 20 years NFL teams have hired an average of non-white offensive coordinators for every black offensive coordinator and in the decade from 2013 to 2022 only 12 black men worked as full-time NFL offensive coordinators the same number of black men who worked as head coaches during that time so what I'm saying to you out there is that these opportunities are precious and not a lot of African-American coaches get to be offensive coordinators. According to USA Today Research, 55% of coaches in the U.S. in the NFL this season are people of color, including half of the league's defensive coordinators. But on offense, coaches of color hold 40% of those roles, including just 12.9% of the offensive coordinator jobs. So my point is these jobs are scarce for African-American coaches. You bring Thomas Brown in to be the offensive coordinator, but he's not. Then you say someday. Then you give him a sinking ship to be able to see what he can do when you know he's not going to be able to do much with it. And then now you're talking about taking the responsibilities back from him, making him look incompetent, further hurting his chances to be able to get a role elsewhere because people are going to think he can't do it. So this is what I'm saying. I'm not saying Frank Reich is a racist. I'm not saying the Panthers are racist. But what I'm saying is that for an African-American coach, these jobs come few and far between. And so you can't mess with that opportunity for a guy in a situation where he was never put in place to be the offensive coordinator in the first place. And I just think that Thomas Brown is catching a raw deal here indirectly. Which is why we never wanted the play calling duties to be handed to Thomas Brown. Exactly. Because we know how precious these opportunities are. And Frank Reich, this is why I this is this is the, the part that's hard for me. I don't know if I should have an equal level of anger for everyone involved or if it should be more towards David Tepper, how much should be reserved for Frank Reich. If Frank Reich never wanted to give up play calling duties in the first place, that means David Tepper is the one that forced him to do it. I wouldn't think Scott Fitterer was the guy that forced Frank Reich to do it or else Frank Reich would push back. But you can't really push back on David Tepper because he'll just fire you and find somebody else that will listen to him. So if it is David Tepper, then it's like he's not thinking about one, if it's the right decision when he decides to make that decision, but also he's not thinking about the ramifications that come from it if it yeah. doesn't go correctly. Mm -hmm. Everything we said that could go wrong with this decision, Wes, happened. Mm -hmm. That's why you can't tell me any of this was was a surprise. This was always going to happen. Yeah, Thomas Brown was going to get the same group of players. He was already helping this scheme in his way it's not like frank reich is completely ignoring what thomas brown is saying in these play call in these in these opportunities in the meetings this is the same system the system is the system it doesn't matter if frank reich's calling the plays it doesn't matter if thomas brown is calling the plays but what happens is when you struggle mightily so 
through the first six, seven weeks, hand it over to Thomas Brown, and in a win, by the way, you only score 15 points, but you still look the best that you ever have with Bryce Young at QB against Houston, and then it goes awfully so against Chicago and against Indianapolis. Now you're taking it back from him, where Bryce is on a swivel. Now the responsibilities, they're swinging from one party to another. And now you can't go into this organization thinking that, yeah, I want a job. I want to work for those guys. And if you're Bryce Young, it's, man, how different could it be? How much better would it be if I just had some level of stability before I got to the bye week? Yeah. The bye week and we're starting. And it was already the plan. You can't tell me that this was the plan to take it back if it wasn't going well after three weeks. It's a mess. Yeah. And understand that if Thomas Brown was the offensive coordinator from the jump, and this offense was this bad, then yes, he would deserve to have his play call duties taken or to be fired. But just the way this whole situation was handled, where you tell me someday I'm going to be the coordinator, then you hand it to me, to which I likened it to handing me a grenade. You knew this thing was going down. You knew this thing was rotten when you handed it to me. You gave me a rotten egg, and then now that I get in there and try to do what you couldn't do with that rotten egg because it's still rotten and still stinks, and now you want to take it back. But then to your points as well, like I said, the continuity for Bryce. How is he looking at this organization now that he's here? You think he's regretting being drafted here? You think these coaches were right for not wanting to come here? There's a reason why some of those things happened. And so now when we see that they can't even figure out who's going to be the offensive coordinator from one week to the next, I've never seen anything like it. The fact that they're even considering it, the damage is already done. As we mentioned yesterday, even if they don't decide to go back to Thomas Brown, the fact that you go up to the podium and say, yeah, I haven't made a decision on that yet. The fact that it's even a thought, that goes to show right. how much of a mess it is over there offensively for sure. And I heard Jim Zoki say this on Charlotte Sports Today, where if you're looking for any kind of solace and you bring out the microscope and you're looking and you're bringing in different slides just to see any sign of positivity, the positivity is that Ajero Vero is doing a good job, that the defense is performing well. Even special teams, to be honest with you. I mean, special teams, Chris Tabor, the holdover, he's doing a pretty good job with what that unit looks like. So it's not a bad team, but when your unit, even if it just counts as a third, but it's a you know more than a third if you really want to be technical about it, if you're talking about the offense being as bad as it has been, it is going to deter you from winning games. And that means the defense has to be damn near perfect for you to win those games the way the offense is playing. And it hasn't been, and that's why you only have one victory to your name. We'll continue to talk about the Carolina Panthers, but we're also celebrating. Man, this first segment gave you any, everything, I would say. We gave you race. We gave you I have a white friend. We gave you text line. We gave you celebration. We gave you donuts. We gave you high school kids in the building. We gave you all sorts of stuff. We even gave you Fitty with a Go Scratch Yourself reference. We had all of it today on Wesson Walker. We continue on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Happy birthday to you. All right, thank you, boy. I just asked Wes how he felt about the text on it. He simply responded, go scratch yourself. Oh, yeah. He's not in the mood today. I want more scratch yourself. I want more of that. That was a weird sentence. Go scratch yourself. But I do. Scratching is great, though. <laughs> it's a weird sentence, too. You want to elaborate? Just, it's a, a I mean, really... I'm just saying, man, if you got a really bad itch, and then once you scratch it, man, it's it's a great way to As long as it doesn't continue. I had one yesterday. I got my lower part of my neck. For whatever reason, I just had this, like, dry itch. Maybe I have dry skin. I don't know. But I feel like if I had asked for lotion, we would have went down an even darker hole. And I didn't want to go that way with y'all on a Friday. I mean, yeah. Some of the best moments we're going to relive because it is the one-year birthday of Wes and Walker. One year ago today, we officially launched, and we had been working together quite a bit right before then. But this is the day last year that we officially announced the start of Wes and Walker. We appreciate all the people listening to us, everybody giving us your favorite moments also on the text line. We got a few to comb through here and some more thoughts on Frank Reich, possibly taking back some of the play calling duties we do have a couple here on the uh best moments uh big chris from shelby said the best moment is any segment where fitty loses his mind those are always pretty good we got a couple of those they are. yeah they're fantastic uh captain cabinet y'all are fantastic addition to the wfnz family we appreciate that mike b happy one year fellas keep it 100 percent when you talk about it yeah 100 percent I'm guessing that's more for Wes, but sometimes I like to do the same. And then Garrett, oh man, appreciation from Garrett writing in. Best moment of the show was when I moved back to Charlotte and turned on WFNZ. Heard my boy Walker talking, former colleague. We went to college together. I made sure he never left the sports radio talk business. Keep pounding, my dude. Yeah, man, former colleague Garrett. I saw him when I was out of the business at Blind Pig in good old Noda, a.k.a. Broda celebrating blind pig, probably trying to go for the Papa shot high score because that's what I was doing. And then I saw Garrett who was working at the previous station. I said, I said, is there any way I can get back in? He got me back in. And now here I am working with Fiddy, having him, you know, be my intern pupil. Now I get to work alongside Wes Bryant. That's right, and man. So Garrett, man, he's got a piece of this. So we appreciate Mr. Garrett writing in and making all of this possible. Making dreams come true. That's People cool, on the text man. Line. That was a cool moment. You're welcome, man. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Garrett only has a little part of it. Fitty has the biggest part of where I am today. Let's discuss a little more about the Panthers because... People understand just how bad it looks when Frank Wright goes to the podium and tells you he might take play calling duties back away from Thomas Brown. Do we actually see this happen, Wes? Like, because yesterday he didn't say that he was outright going to do it, but he did say we haven't made that decision yet. So once we get to the weekend, because we still have a long way to go, 
Do you think Frank Reich actually will be the play caller against the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, I think it's a high possibility. I mean, he hasn't done anything to endorse Thomas Brown uh, since he's taken over as the offensive coordinator. And for him to be mom on the topic, that doesn't sound like something that's going to continue to happen if you ask me. Because would he not have come out and just been like, yeah, Thomas is still going to be our guy for the rest of the season. You don't need to ask me about it. He didn't say that. He said we hadn't figured that out yet. And so that sounds to me like Frank is really thinking hard about it. And if I were to say, is this going to happen? I'd say yes. It looks like it is going to happen. Yeah. If you would have this open for a discussion, then how would that make, I mean, I don't know if you care, but then what is Thomas Brown feeling like in this entire situation? Exactly. Is he saying, oh, okay, I, I'll be a play caller again. Frank Wright goes to him now, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whatever, and says, you know what? We're going to have you call plays once more think it's going to go well against Dallas you think this gets better with any change at OC against that defense I mean the Cardinals <laughs> just scored 28 and ran the ball at will oh. on all my defense oh but you know who's playing well this year it's the quarterback right. who did Joshua that to Dobbs they had at the time uh my man from Pitt uh James James, James Connor. James Connor. Yes, James Connor at the time was playing really well so I mean well, they had some some guys to keep it interesting yeah with all due respect to Bill Parcells saying you are what your record says you are, the Cardinals look like a better football team than what their record says, where they were supposed to tank, and yet that is a team that is going to be in it in the fourth quarter. They are not out here getting destroyed. They are not out here playing what seems like ugly football. Carolina's honestly doing that offensively, at least. They are. And Arizona, they Arizona is in the best possible situation maybe you could point to chicago because they have carolina's first round pick so to have two of potentially the top three picks they're in the best situation but from an arizona standpoint they're going to finish as the worst or second worst team in the nfl they look like they're right on the cusp of competing maybe not for a division title or anything like that but they look like they're playing hard. They look like they're responding to what seemed like corny John Gannon at the beginning. Remember the social media video? You got it, fire in your gut? You got that fire in your belly? If you don't, then you can just leave. I got guess, it going. I guess he got the fire in yeah. the belly. I've got fire in my belly for those donuts. Yeah, Wes is mad at me for not eating them yet, but they look fantastic. <laughs> they're right in my face, too. They smell great. Wes, let me tell you, who Wes did the most, okay? He cut... Every single one of those donuts, we had six of them, uh-huh. gave us what seemed to be an exact proportion of each donut yes. on my paper towel. I did. You've put on a birthday party or two <laughs> in your life. Well, actually, I haven't. But the thing was is that when I go in there to the Pepper Box, got to give them a shout out again, Pepper Box Donuts and Coffee. I like local. And so OMG is still my favorite in Concord. But Pepper Box, this is phenomenal. And so I go in, and it's a place I've never been. They have so many different types of flavors i never had before, like blueberry cheesecake and stuff like that. So I'm like, man, I'm not just going to get six glaze and call it a day. Or I know Fitty said he wanted chocolate with sprinkles. I'm like, I'm not going to get it what everybody likes. I'm going to get a lot of samples of these because I want to know what they taste like. And so I said, for us to all be able to get a good feel for this spot, I got to cut them up so we can try them all. I do that a lot with crumble cookies. My son and I, we would get sometimes the three box, uh, the and we'd cookies. cut them up. Yeah, we'd cut them up, and so we could try different ones. Wouldn't they crumble after you cut them? <laughs> so bad. Crumble donuts are pretty uh, solid, even though they're, they're, they're soft, but they cut yeah. well. 
we had to stop ordering crumble cookies at my house because yeah. those things would be gone. Midnight. And I have a real problem. I, I mean, we, we just talked about this in my house the other day. It was an accomplishment. I got legitimately complimented for putting the pint of ice cream away with ice cream still in it. Good That's job, hard Walker. to do. That's hard to do. It was it was like I was a child that was speaking for the first time. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, you put the ice cream up all by yourself and there's still some in it. Good job. Let me tell you, it's so funny you say that because with the Hagen Dodge uh, butter pecan, that's my favorite ice cream in the whole wide world. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And when I sit there and eat that, I legit have to tell myself to stop and put the other half back in the freezer because I can't stop. That's my addiction. There are addicts out there, and mine <laughs> happens to be Ben and Jerry's. Hello, my name is Walker, and I'm an ice cream addict. But to, to your point, though, I am used to fixing food for a little one. So, yeah, you know, you got to cut, cut steak, cut chicken, cut all mm -hmm. types of stuff, man. So I'm steak, used to Steak, you say? Yeah, he can cut his own steak now, though. My baby boy is uh, growing up. Mm. He can cut his own steak. I just taught him uh, about a month or two ago. He's 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 getting pretty good at it. Still struggles a little bit. Okay, that's okay. I do too sometimes. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. Every once in a while, you get a strong piece of steak. The bigger it is, maybe yeah. it's a little tough, and yeah. you got to put some elbow he grease into it. He didn't have a technique. It. Yeah, he mm -hmm. didn't have that technique quite yet. Putting mm -hmm. enough elbow grease in it. All right, I guess we got a P seven hundred four. Sorry, thought this was a sports show. Actually, no. This is Donuts in the Midday. Thank you for joining us here, Sports Radio Donut Radio. The Donut Review. WFNZ. Feel free to check <laughs> us out on WFNZ.com. We were getting to the Arizona Cardinals because that's what Fitty brought in. Cardinals beat the Cowboys. They did. They did. They were playing well at the time. They're playing well now. And they're still going to end up with maybe the worst or second worst record in the NFL. They're going to have their shot at Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., whatever. They're going to have their shot. Carolina, clearly not. And so, to me, it does not look like if you are having a problem against Indianapolis and Chicago... Dallas is not what the doctor ordered. That's saying, hey, you're obese after eating all of those donuts, but here's a prescription for Ben and Jerry's pints of ice cream. No, that is not what you need. We do not need that Dallas defensive line being scary, snarling, maybe drooling a little bit, pursuing Bryce Young in the pocket. That's a scary thing to be a part of, man. And it doesn't matter if it's Frank Wright calling the plays. It doesn't matter if it's Thomas Brown. You really expect me. You can't predict that it's going to get better in this game against Dallas. The only way that you think it gets better is because the NFL is weird sometimes and you just kind of put your palms up in the air and say, I don't know how it happened. Not sure. But you can't predict based off what you've seen that it's going to get better regardless of who's calling plays. That's why it doesn't make any sense to take responsibility back. I just think about the anxiety Bryce must have pre-snap when he's going to look across that line and see that Dallas defensive line. And knowing that, yeah, I know he loves his teammates, but... The trust can't be 100% there based off what we've seen. And, man, I know he is hoping to God that they really dig deep inside themselves and put together a performance for the ages. It feels like a good time for a mysterious ankle injury to show back up <laughs> and try to protect him from himself. because Bring back the conspiracy. There's no way Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, those guys don't make life a living hell for the rookie quarterback on Sunday afternoon. There's just no way. But see, that, and that's what I always talk about too, man. That's the weird thing about sports in this town, man. We feel like all this stuff is going to happen. And then, like I said, you'll turn on your TV. Michael Parsons won't have a sack. Demarcus Lawrence won't have a sack. Like, it'll just be crazy. But you can't predict it. <laughs> you cannot. There, there's, there's no reason to predict that that is going to happen. Look, 
Is there any way to explore the other side of this if Frank Reich does take back play calling duties? Is there is there a way that this is better for Bryce? Because we can go to the last two games. It, like I don't think this is smart. I, I do want to try to figure out what the logic behind this is. I think one point is that Frank Reich feels the pressure. And if he's going to go down, he's going to go down on his own terms. It's not letting Thomas Brown do the play calling thing. If he goes down, it's because, yep, I am the one to blame for making that decision at that certain down and distance. Thomas Brown, he wasn't the one calling that play at that time. It was all me. And if you're going to go down, you want to go down on your own terms. That's one point. The other point is, is there anything to be said, Wes, the fact that Bryce has looked worse the last two games, two of the three that Thomas Brown has called, with also, can't ignore the context that I think Bryce looked the best of the season in the first game that Thomas Brown called against the Houston Texans. So is there a devil's advocate argument to the fact that he did not look good the last two games that carries any weight to you? Not necessarily, because I just feel like that this offensive line has been the culprit for a lot of the issues, and that makes it hard no matter who the play caller is. And then now, you know, if you take back the play calling duties, I don't know what you do say as far as why you gave it back, because what are you going to do at this point that you didn't do in the opportunities in which you were winless beforehand? 0-6, to be exact, Thomas Brown did get a victory, even though the offense wasn't stellar, but they still got a victory. And now with the two losses and how they've looked, it's just, man, this personnel, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You could get the brightest mind ever. You could have Ben Johnson, Sean McVay, Shanahan, whoever you want. And it's going to be hard for them to get a lot out of this offense. Now, there's an argument to be made, and we've seen it on the text line as far as what Andy Dalton did at Seattle, because that's the most productive that they've been all season long as far as a yardage standpoint. Would a veteran quarterback be able to do a little bit more with this? Perhaps, maybe because they've seen so much, the experience, the season, and they may be able to find some some plays here and there just based off their experience alone. But with a rookie quarterback who's struggling, and I agree that the confidence as far as in what his teammates can do has to be slipping just a little bit. And so I think that plays into it as well. And so you've got a rookie out there that's not necessarily trustworthy of everything that's going on. And that's why this situation looks so bad. You already have got a situation where I'm fairly certain he won't say it, but he doesn't trust the offensive line like that. Doesn't trust the receivers a whole heck of a lot either. He's still going to believe in them, but I'm not sure that he trusts them. And then now you have all the disarray going on with the coaching staff. It just makes it just for a whole lot of mess. And so for Bryce, man, he's going to go into these games with his head in a blender. And he's just going to try to make the best of it. You know what else is scary? What else? Diana Rossini has been scaring us a decent amount. I don't, Diana. Look, I mean, she's one of the best in the business, you're doing, baby. You're doing a great job. She's also one of the best in the business at making me scared. <laughs> and it's happening the last couple of tweets. With the Frank Reich stuff, I guess that's not so scary. But this one is, how about this as the answer, Wes Bryant? Mm-hmm. This is her tweet yesterday. Frank Reich and staff are going to try hard to get this Carolina offense off the ground. The Panthers have smart coaches who can figure this out, but let's just say they can't. Uh, yeah. You know who knows how to coach the best version of Bryce Young? New England's Bell O'Brien. <laughs> Boom! I mean, does she just decide to take the pin out, throw it in there, that walk she away did. with no reporting whatsoever? With no other mention of anything, hey, this is a possibility. David Tepper has looked at Bill O'Brien. 
it seems just like an opinion piece, but this is the problem. When you are a reporter that people respect and you throw out an opinion like this, now people are wondering, wait, where the hell did that come from? Because Bill O'Brien, I guess, is in the NFL. He was an offensive coordinator at Alabama when Bryce Young was QB. Is there any? <laughs> we also know what happened in Houston. He got the Texans to the playoffs a few times. I do think Bill O'Brien is actually a pretty good play caller. I do think that. I also think as a head coach, he seems like a head case. I think that's what HC stands for in his mind. He was not a good GM. We know that. We know that there's one thing we can't put on him. It's the Brock Osweiler edition. That was something he pushed back on when management decided to do that. But Bill O'Brien showed no competency when it came to making personnel decisions. Trading DeAndre Hopkins for the price they got, whatever, right? But I do think that he's a pretty good play caller. I still don't want him, Wes. Like, I don't care if he had success with Bryce Young in college. Is there any reason to bring Bill O'Brien aboard, if that's even a possibility? So the scenarios I'm playing in my head as you say this is, would it be a scenario where Frank Reich remains as head coach? And because we know that there's talk that Belichick is probably going to be done in New England after this season. If that is the case, would you bring him in and remove Thomas Brown? Or, God forbid, which I know they wouldn't do that, is if you fire Frank Reich and everybody else and then bring in Bill O'Brien as a head coach, which I know that's not going to happen. The only scenario I could think of is, is Tepper maybe putting the pressure on him because Racine reported that ownership wants to go back to what he does best, like what he did at Alabama, RPO, all that stuff. So then would you get rid of Thomas Brown to bring in Bill O'Brien? That That's a scenario that runs through my head. It makes sense in theory. Man, it's just tough to think about the conversion from a college to the pros and just is just going to work just because you have the same offensive coordinator, same quarterback. You still got to upgrade several spots on that line. So I don't really think that matters. I think they can, if they do keep Frank Reich in, and if Thomas Brown is calling the plays or whatever, you still got to get better personnel around him and get better results. I don't care who's at the OC post. There is a former Panther staffer out there on the market now. Bills made some changes. And we know the Bills were pretty much Carolina North. And after last night, watching the Bills go 5-5 five and five in the worst of ways, they decided to fire offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Got him out of there. And you know who's taking over? Another former Panther staffer. <laughs> the Wonderkin. The Wonderkin. I was just about to say that. Joe Brady. 704-980. Let's go. <laughs> People kind of want Ken Dorsey. Maybe we talk about that a little bit later on in the show. We do have a college hoops discussion on the other side of the break. Did you want to do a first Fiddy Flash on this birthday edition of Weston Walker? Fiddy is shaking his head. No, we shall move on. He is the guy. He is the station. And so we shall listen to the station. It's Campus Corner and it's college basketball. Lots of college athletic discussion. Up next, Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Happy 
birthday to you. All right, sing it, boy. Flounder wrote in, Walker, you took Charlotte to the Final Four in 1977. That can never be taken away from you. That's yes, right. You got you. that? Hold on to that. Yes, the write-up. And Jason Barrett, after we got the job, it was that I was a Charlotte 49er <laughs> basketball player, and uh, now I've led them to a 77 yeah. Final Four. I've led them to winning records in the past. So, yes, I appreciate that accomplishment. When the show was announced, I was reading Wes's bio on Barrett Sports Media, former offensive lineman for Wake Forest in the early 2000s. <laughs> and it said he's joined by fellow athlete Walker Mail, <laughs> part of the Final Four team for the Charlotte. I think that's not true. What they really said was that he played for the Charlotte 49ers. They didn't tell me I was a part of the 77 team, but that I played for the basketball that team. That was hilarious. I remember we held on to that one for a while. We did. The joke eventually died, but maybe the one-year look back brings us back to that conversation. Just a couple of athletes talking ball. On the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs> you bring in church league legend Josh Fitty Marlowe, then all three of us are sports legends in our own right. Exactly. Whether it be D1, fake D1, church league, doesn't matter. <laughs> we are legends in our respective area. Speaking of college athletes, speaking of D1, we got a big night in college hoops, but I wanted to go back to was it Sunday's game, I believe, against Arizona and do between Friday. Friday. Okay. Friday I was trying evening. to think yep. doing the post game show, watching on watching the Hornets on one screen, Duke on the other. And Wes Caleb Love, he got the last laugh once more. I mean, I heard I think it was was it Josh Graham who said this that Caleb Love might be the most hated Duke Carolina basketball player from Duke fans. And if he's not number one, he's certainly up there. And I can understand why. I mean, he hit maybe the most important shot in Carolina history. Certain, maybe behind Michael Jordan, whatever. That could be up for debate. Then he goes to Arizona, writes Tar Heel 4L on his shoes, Tar Heel for life, says it after the game, and hits a couple of crucial free throws to end that game and give Duke their first loss in forever at Cameron Indoor Stadium and give John Shire his first loss in Cameron Indoor Stadium. How about that? Caleb Love retiring Coach K and giving John Shire his first ever loss in Cameron Indoor. What can you say? It's not even like Caleb Love was fantastic in that game. What's he shoot? Three of ten? Still the six nor- turnovers. It was a Caleb Love game. <laughs> it was a Caleb Love game. Yep, three of ten, six turnovers. What were some of your takeaways seeing Arizona beat Duke and seeing Caleb Love strike again? Well, I took it as a typical early season matchup, you know what I'm saying, in games that will prepare each of these teams for tournament play. I mean, neither team shot the ball well in the first half, and in the second half, uh, Duke shot the ball well, but Arizona shot better. And this was a team that we know at the end of the year started to really – lock in on the defensive end with Filipowski and the crew, and they really made it difficult on teams um, and with Derek Lively down there at center. And I think that's become apparent how much they're going to miss him. In the second half, Arizona shot 50% from the field, 42% from three. And last year with Derek Lively, that wasn't happening. You were driving down in there with Lively and Flip, and it was a – 
tough road to hoe down there. Okay, so now with him being missing and Flip being their main big down there, it's going to be more on his shoulders to be able to rim protect. That's something they're going to miss a lot this year. And um, But other than that, I didn't read a whole heck of a lot into it because we know this was a Duke team at the first half of last season. We were wondering if this team was tournament worthy or thought that they were going to be gone quickly. And then they win the ACC tournament and uh, they go into the to the field of March Madness as one of the favorites. I know I thought that they were going to get very far. I thought they would be a Final Four team. And so uh, this is a game that they'll take and store it in the bank. These freshmen are going to continue to get better as the season goes along because I feel like that's definitely one thing that they added that was crucial for them with these freshmen is that they can shoot the basketball. And so uh, we'll see what they got tonight for Michigan State. Yeah, Duke losing to Arizona at the beginning of the season. It's it's not a, a I mean it's it's a big deal. You don't want to lose to the Wildcats, but also it doesn't mean that we have to be crazy worried about them going forward. You're talking about the second game of the season. They got hammered on the boards too. Arizona's good. It's not like they lost to James Madison like Duke's next opponent did. Duke playing Michigan State tonight and you know, there is a possibility. I mean, Michigan State, Tom Mizzo, it's still a good enough basketball team that I would think there's a shot for the Spartans to beat the Duke Blue Devils, but more than likely not. If that does happen, then is that something that we're going to make a lot out of if John Shire starts one and two? What do you think, Wes? Well, they should because Michigan State normally gets owned by teams from the ACC, especially they the sure ones do. that wear the shades of blue. And I get so sick of them getting in these games, and we know how it's going to go. They're going to get rocked. And so I'm like, can y'all please stop putting Michigan State in these spots because they can't beat any of the top teams from the ACC, especially Duke and North Carolina. I don't expect much different tonight. I think they're going to hammer them. How important is tonight's game for Duke, Fiddy? Seeing John Shire potentially go one and two, and what were some of your thoughts from that game they had against Arizona? I don't want to over, you know, overstate my bounds because it's November. I do think it is important because like a one and two start in your two big games, one at home and one on, and one on a neutral court, you get beat. With as much expectation this team has, as much inexperience as coming off the bench, it'd kind of be like when Carolina lost four in a row last year where you know the, the, there's going to be a, maybe a make-or-break part of the season for them early on. When I, when I went back to their, their loss on Friday, getting hammered on the boards was a surprise. They didn't capitalize off the 17 Arizona turnovers. Like for Duke basketball, you force 17 turnovers at home in that, in that environment – you're usually going away in a blowout. Yeah, they have 14 of their own. Oh, two, that hurt them. And I, I, I also thought his rotation on Friday maybe was a November rotation. He played the freshman a lot. And in a big game against a Final Four caliber opponent in Arizona, I'd like to see my four veteran starters on the court a little bit more often if I was a Duke fan. But you know what this reminds me of? It's Roy Williams to a certain extent. And I loved that philosophy for Roy. It's a little like what Steve Clifford was talking about just in the NBA profession where you give guys minutes and it doesn't matter how poorly they play. You need them to be ready at the end of the regular season. You need them to be ready for conference play. You need them to be ready for tournament time. And so your first game, your first real test against Arizona, yeah, that's a tough one. And now it it doesn't get harder from there. You got Michigan State. They lost to James Madison, okay? Like, you talked about how Michigan State will lose to the Shades of Blue. I would expect Duke to win tonight. But after seeing Arizona, you almost get the shock value over with. I don't know how much it was going to hit them anyway. Some freshmen handle it different than others. But you get the shock value over with. And a month from now, do we expect the freshmen to look that poor 
you know, I, I, this is the, this is the thing to do in my opinion. Roy Williams used to do it all the time. That's why I alluded to him. Where it didn't matter if you were a freshman or a guy that he was grooming to be a good player as a junior. We saw that a lot, especially in the, like the last ten years of Roy Williams being there, North Carolina, maybe the last six or seven. And I think maybe this is the idea for John Shire. You know, you have a lot of guys returning. But if you can get these young guys up to speed, especially during meaningful basketball, then they're going to be that much harder to deal with. Once you get to conference play, once you get to the tournament, they're going to be that much harder to deal with. I like this philosophy from Shire. Yeah, and only five bench points. So like you said, there might have been a little bit of stage fright there, their first big-time matchup, and they're going to have another one tonight. We know how exciting the State Farm uh, tournament is. I always enjoy it each and every year because you get a chance to see some of the best freshmen. I love to see the vets, but I love to see the freshmen because I can't wait to see DJ Wagner tonight. Yeah, you you were on him. I forgot. Yeah, about I DJ can't wait Wagner, to see DJ yeah. Wagner, man. You know what I watched the other night? I was sitting there. Uh, I had the TV on, but I had my phone and I bumped across on YouTube. Remember the ESPN show, The Life, that used to come on back in the day? Oh, barely. They had yeah, The Life with DeWan Wagner. Okay. And I watched it. It was like 20 minutes. And I was like, man, I said, look at it. Because I was a huge DeWan Wagner fan. So, you know, I found myself last night on a YouTube rabbit hole. You know uh-huh. what my favorite thing I watched? It was John Gruden, Pat Mahomes, QB camp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The QB camp was phenomenal television. Yeah, they were great. And John Gruden just being excited about Spider 2, Y Banana, <laughs> the simplest throws. There was one throw in Texas Tech against Louisiana Tech where Pat Mahomes rolls to his left and flicks it from his hip, and it's 60 yards downfield on the money. Gruden just beside himself. Like, huh, that's, that's the damnedest throw I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He's just losing his mind knowing what Pat Mahomes could become, and it was phenomenal TV. The FFCA, that's what I like, the Fire Football Coaches Association. I thought that was cool. He loved every quarterback that came through. He never had anything critical. He would have made you think every quarterback that came on that show was going to be the franchise savior. He had me believing that Nathan Peterman was a good pick. Not only that, uh, Johnny Manziel. Remember how much he loved Johnny? Yep. Nathan (laughs) Peter, the Peterman. John Gruden. Let me tell you, man. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Spider 2, why banana? I think Smoke does a pretty good John Gruden, so maybe we'll have to have him on. Also, Last Chance You. I'm kidding. I didn't see it yet. Me and Fiddy haven't seen it yet. Last Chance You. Yeah. I know, man. There's so much good stuff. I hate you. I hate your guts. All right. Let's move on. (laughs) It's the Campus Corner coming up next. Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.